Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersland, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Just pick up the phone. Give us a call. All our lines are wide open. We always appreciate hearing folks all around town, all around the country. And right now is the perfect time to call. Give us a little time to get your questions answered thoroughly. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. The little form is going to pop up. Fill it out with the correct information and hit the send button. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. And while you're on that site, what you may want to do is go ahead and search whatever question you may have. And again, you have to remember, this site has approximately a million words of text on sure. it, which sounds like a lot. But when you compare it to like Google, which is trillions of words yeah. of text, on your search, you want to put a very narrow search criteria. For instance, if you want to know about lighting or lights on a 2007 Chevy pickup uh-huh. truck, you can't put lights on 2007 Chevy pickup because it's probably not going to find anything. But if you put lighting, it's going to bring it up because, again, compared to the entire Internet, even though it's a relatively large site, it's really tiny. Uh-huh. And if you put too specific of a search string, you're probably not going to get the results you want because it would have to have every single one of those words appear in, in the, the text. Yeah. text. So it's sort of funny, but the less you get, the more it is. Yeah, on this you're going to get, yes, <laughs> uh, the less the better. You'll get a lot more results back. So if you want to know about transmission service, just put transmission service. Don't put transmission service, certain sure, kind of yeah. car and all that because we try to keep most of the information on that site fairly generic. Sure. Just so it'll appeal to the most people. The only disadvantage, if you're looking for a specific instant on a specific car, then you're not going to bring that up. But most information will apply pretty broadly across the industry where that's possible. Wonderful. Just wanted to put that in there. (laughs) We had an email from Eric in Oregon, and I know we've covered this on the show before, but it's one of those things that you can kind of keep going over and over and over again because there's lots of people with conflicting points of view that can kind of cloud the issues and sure uh, such as that and his question was on transmission flushing as opposed to a proper transmission service correct and you know most of the manufacturers have now come out with and state- with statements saying do not yeah no reason general motors specifically said do not flush our transmissions or any other sub components on the vehicle the exception being when there is a failure in the system a complete failure then you have to flush the cooler lines and all that that's a totally separate issue from flushing a transmission. Correct. And, again, if you read the propaganda that goes out from the people who have these little machines or sell these machines, they'll tell you, oh, we're going to flush, we'll get 100% of fluid out. That is the first absolute false statement. Correct, because there's no way – the only way to get 100% of the fluid out is to take the unit out of the vehicle and totally disassemble, totally disassemble it and dump all the fluid out. Right. That is, that is the only, only way. way. But a flush does not even get close to that. No, fact, a not flush at all. does not get as much fluid out as a drain and fill would. The reason being, if you understand how a transmission works, it's not a linear thing. And it is not like a pump pushing fluid through one line and going out and coming back. Instead, the way it works, it's sort of like a tree with mm-hmm. several branches. And the first circuit is the pump, which produces far more pressure than the transmission can use. So the majority of the fluid goes through the pressure regulator and dumps right back into the pan. Correct. It's simply pumping into a loop. So it's picking up dirty fluid through the filter, and it's dumping it right back in the pan, which is cleaning it to a certain degree. 
Another circuit might be the clutches, and that is where the fluid leaves the pump and whatever's left after the regulator goes out to the clutches. Another one is the lubrication circuit. It goes out and lubricates the bearings and all those things. Another circuit is to the torque converter. That goes out and gauges the torque converter. Another circuit is a cooler line. That goes out to the transmission cooler, cooler, cools the fluid down so it doesn't get too hot. Now, what flushes do is they simply interrupt one of these circuits. They interrupt normally the cooler circuit. They because take, it's, it's readily accessible. It's easily accessible. They take that line off. As the fluid comes out, which is about maybe one-tenth of the fluid, uh-huh. they dump it into a container, and they put fresh fluid back on the other side, which goes back to the transmission. Now, what you have to remember, you're only getting about a tenth of the fluid out of that one line. The worst part is the nice, clean fluid is dumping right into the fluid with the dirty fluid. Mm-hmm. And so the pump is going to pick it up, as it does. It's going to run it through the dirty filter, and it's going to dump it right back through the pressure regulator. So it's just stirring it up. So what you're doing, you're removing a lot of the clean fluid you put in there. You're not getting to a lot of dirty fluid that's remaining in there. And you're also causing the transmission, I mean, the dirt to be distributed up through the filter at the same time. Well, you're stirring things up because it's flowing in a way that it's normally not flowing. And when you stir it up, the filter's going to absorb all that. So you already got a dirty filter, which is really probably a bigger problem than dirty transmission fluid sure. or at least as big a problem they're not addressing the filter at all and there are people who tell oh, it's going to back flush the filter well it's not going to back flush nope. the filter because when they are flushing the engine is running and you can't make the engine run backwards so it's not so, gonna, uh, right the fluid's not going to run backwards it's not going to run backwards through that filter that's a second fallacy of the whole thing but it's really not doing any good it's just taking a portion of the fluids dirt dumping it back a small in. portion at that that's right when you drop the pan, you're removing way more than half of the fluid. Normally, exactly. you get about six quarts. Most transmissions hold about, eight to ten. Right. So you're going to get a good portion of it. You are removing the filter. You have a chance to inspect the inside of the transmission, which is a huge advantage. Right. You can actually take that filter and cut it open and look inside it and look for any debris that may the, the transmission may have made right. will be caught in that filter sock. Which is going to indicate a problem is brewing. Sure. Now, at that point, you have to make a decision. Right. We had a gentleman come in earlier this week, and he was having some vibration, which he could not get to duplicate. Uh-huh. However, the transmission had never been serviced on the car. It right. was past due, and it sounded like he was describing a torque converter shutter. So, like we told him, we can go ahead and service transmission. You're not losing anything it needs doing anyway. Sure. It hadn't been done, and it had like, what, 80,000 miles on it, I believe. Correct. So it may solve the problem if it is a torque converter shutter. But more to the point, if we drop the pan and I see a handful of metal in the bottom of the pan. Right. You know, hey, now's the time to make a decision. It's time to make a decision because it's not going to necessarily fail today or tomorrow, but it is on the way out. So in that case, what some people elect to do is we simply put the pan back on. Fill it back up with fluid and say, have a nice day. Go straight the car off. Other people elect, let's go ahead and repair the problem now before I get stranded on the road. I'm going to keep the car. So it gives you a tremendous amount more information. Exactly. And that's one of those things. It's kind of sort of like throwing parts at it, but not really. If the service is needed anyway, and there's a probability that it could solve the problem, it will definitely give you more insight than that is a proper exactly. way to do it. And it had to be done anyway. It had to be done regardless. Now, also, there are the transmissions where you can't remove the pan on the car. Uh-huh. So you know, Honda, Honda has one. Chevrolet has one. Ford has one, actually. That is just a drain and fill. It has a. It does have a filter inside it. It's a, a Dacron, yeah, Micron Dacron filter, filter but inside. You can't access the filter because it's built inside the transmission. Correct. So what you do with a double drain and fill is that when you start the car and run it, you first you drain the fluid out. You put fresh fluid in. You start it. It's going to flow up through that filter. 
when you turn it off, the fluid by gravity is going to come flowing back out through the filter, which will partially wash it out. Mm-hmm. If you drain it again, you get the majority of that fluid out. Right. And it's clean fluid coming back through there. So you're going to get some of it out. You can't get all of it out. Right. And the Honda uh, unit actually has a magnet on the end of the drain plug that you can check for any type of debris. Right. So I don't think the GM or the Ford transmission has a magnet on it. It's just a just a, a, a yeah. yeah, like a seal. So anyway, that's a proper service on that unit. It's not ideal, but it's just the best you can do. Correct. You can't take the transmission part, change the filter. Well, best you, I could. Mean, you could, yeah, but you're but talking about it. The point is, with those units where you can't do a full service and you have to do a double drain and fill, it's better to service those more often. Sure. You know, if I had a Honda, I'd probably service it every 30,000 miles. Oh, yeah. Because it's very, very easy to do. You could do it and yourself. Seven quarts of fluid, seven right. and a half quarts of fluid. you got to make sure that you use the DW1 right. in that Honda unit or the CVT fluid in the CVT unit. Right. The proper fluid Correct. for whatever unit you may have. We're going to talk more about that. Let's go to our phone lines. we got Steve on the line. Good morning, Steve. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was calling. i got a 2014 Chevy pickup, uh-huh. 5.3. When I crank it up in the mornings after it's been sitting at night, it I'm getting the clatter, like uh, lift noise. It's clack, 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 clacking for almost about like a minute. Okay, it goes away when it warms up? Yes, sir. Or does it go away shortly after you start it and it's still no, cold? No, it, it, it clatters for about 30 seconds or a minute or some time. You okay. know, Steve, like, I would almost bet that that is not going to be a lift or noise. I'm not saying for absolutely sure it's not, but most of the time with a lift or noise, it's going to get worse as the engine heats up because the oil gets thinner as the engine heats up. When it's cold, the oil is at its highest viscosity. So it's rare for a lift of noise to do it when you first start it up. Normally, as you drive it, it gets hotter. It'll start to make a noise. Now, well, I'll tell it, you what's... It, go ahead. Uh, it doesn't... Uh, it's fine after uh, I drive, you know, after, right. after it does that right. in the morning. And a lifter's not going to get fine. It's not going auto- to right. automatically heal itself and go away. It's going to be worse when the engine gets hot. What's most likely on that, they had a lot of trouble with the exhaust manifold bolts on that thing breaking. And when they do, it creates an exhaust noise, which sounds exactly like a lifter. The difference being you're going to hear it when it's cold, because when it's cold, all that metal is retracted and spread out, so that's when it's going to leak. When that exhaust starts to flow through there, it's going to heat it up, the metal expands, and it may seal it off so you don't hear it the rest of the day. What I would do first off is just go out and do a physical inspection, look at all the bolts, make sure all the bolt heads are on the exhaust manifolds, particularly the one on the left side all the way in the back. For whatever the reason, manifold. Yes, yes sir. Where, where, oh, like where it, um, where the manifold out, hooks uh, to the head. Yeah, where your exhaust manifold bolts to your cylinder head. Look at that last bolt, and I would look at all of them. If any of those bolts are missing, if the heads broke off, that's very common on that engine, and it will do exactly what you said. But I would feel, I would certainly check that before I start worrying about lifters. It is possible yeah, you could have a lifter problem, but it just doesn't sound characteristic of what, you, what your symptoms you're having. Yeah, because I mean, is any other truck? All these trucks. Uh, is that a common thing? Or yes, yeah, it is. Pretty common. So it's probably, I mean, I'm wondering if it's, you know, I have to pull the engine or, you know. No. Do, Normally you it don't. it should be all right? Well, I mean, it needs to be fixed until it starts causing you know, the problem. If you just want to put up with the noise, first you have to verify that is what it is. If that's what it is, you can put up with it for a while. It's not immediately critical. It's not going to tear the engine up. Eventually it may start causing a check engine light because oxygen is leaking into the exhaust can set an oxygen sensor code and stuff like that. I believe they also make a little aftermarket plate that you can bolt to the back of the cylinder head that will put another bolt and push against it 
to try to tighten it up. So, I mean, it's all kind of options. First off, you need to make sure that's what the problem is. So maybe take it in, let someone probably put a diagnostic yeah, on I it mean, or something. Well, you don't need any kind of machine. Just anybody knows what to do and can find it. But yeah, And it would be best to bring it in the night before. Correct. And that way it's cold in the morning so the tech can hear what you're talking about. Right. And yeah. If you drive it over there and it's heated up, it's not making noise. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, all he can do is look back there and see if the manifold bolt's broken off. Yeah, which is fairly easy to tell that. Right. Again, if you got something else going on, most likely that engine's going to have active fuel management, you know, displacement on demand. And those lifters can make noise, but again, they generally make noise when they're hot. Because everything on a lifter is going to get worse when it's hot and better when it's cold, for now, the most part. Now, with all that being said, if you have a knocking noise when you first crank it up in the morning, it could be you're running the wrong oil filter and the oil pressure is bleeding down overnight. And the rods are knocking until the oil pressure builds up. Yeah, it, that, would that be is a possibility. Knocking, not a tick. Right. Yeah, because I could crank it up right now. You could hear it, but I don't know. Just I haven't cranked well, it up. Well, I would first check those exhaust yeah. bolts. If that's all good, the next thing I do is make sure you're running the correct oil in the engine. That's specified yeah, for it. Um, 0W30, whatever it calls for. 020. 020, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, AC Delco yeah, filter. Get an AC and Delco oil filter. I don't know if it's lifter, but it's kind of like a, a knock and a... Yeah. Well, it could be. I would go with an AC Delco oil filter, a couple of changes, and let's see what that does. Because some of those oil filters you buy at the big box stores and even some of the parts stores really aren't up to standard. They don't right. have a good drain back valve, and that oil can drain back the pan. The engine can run dry for a few seconds when you crank it up. Even some of the big names aren't... Yeah, that good anymore. Right, I would go with AC Delco filter on it. Make see if that doesn't help. But that can definitely help AC it too. Delco. Mm-hmm. By the ri- don't yo, don't mess your names on there. I have to cut you oh, off. Sorry, <laughs> sorry what, about that. You don't want to use anything but an AC Delco filter on, it okay. and see if that doesn't clear it up. Because they did have a lot of trouble with pistons slapping those engines, where the pistons would slap when they were cold. Really not critical to the engine, but it was definitely annoying, and I find the AC Delco filter helps with that as well. So I go back with the original equipment filter if you don't find both. Your broken bolts and exhaust. Yeah, so um, just the exhaust manifold or something, huh? Mm-hmm. That that's very common. That's pretty common, and it gets those. misdiagnosed. A lot of people yeah. think it's a lifter when it's not. I mean, I've seen people actually pull and change the lifters in the engine and still have the same noise. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. All right, All right man. Sir. Thanks, Colin. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. You're going to part of automotive fire. We got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more. If you ever... So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. (laughs) Not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we've got John's been patiently holding. Good morning, John. 
Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call this morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 2010 Toyota Tundra, an SR5 4x4, that when you start it up and until it warms up, it the belt makes a, a loud squeaking noise. Mm-hmm. It seems to be worse in the, in the summer months when okay. it's hotter, when it's cold and like this morning, it, it might do it. May, may not do it at all, may do it only for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research and just read a bunch of different things. Some of it talked about the model, the particular model, maybe it's just the belt and having to change the belt out and read some things about pulleys and whatnot. Just yep. wanted to see what your thoughts were. John, I would assume it's probably going to be the serpentine belt. It's just in the cooler weather, the computer's going to automatically shut the AC down, so you don't have to load the compressor on it. That's why it's going to probably squeal less when it's cool out. You know, on a hotter day, it's going to start the compressor right after the engine starts, so you got a lot more load on it, which is just going to make the problem worse. We've had real good luck on that. I mean, so long as nothing's been replaced on the engine, like the alternator or the power steering pump or any of that, if anything like that's been changed, I would check and make sure all the pulleys are in perfect alignment because any pulley that's a little bit out of alignment, a lot of times there's a little shim or something behind it, and when they take the part off, it drops out. They don't see it. They put it back together. And so the pulleys are not in perfect alignment. If all the pulleys are alignment, nobody's ever worked on the engine. I've had good, good luck using the original equipment Toyota belt. I have never had any luck at all with the aftermarket belts. Even some yeah. of the major companies that work fine, maybe on a Chevy pickup truck, just don't seem to work well on a Toyota. So right. How many miles do you have on it, John? It has around 180. Okay. It's possible, too, that the belt tensioner is getting weak. Toyota tensioners last pretty well. On most vehicles, the tensioner lasts about 100,000 miles. That's all you're going to get out of them. Toyotas, you can normally get 180 to 200 out of them. But okay. at that mileage, you might want to look at changing the belt tensioner, and that's a fairly expensive part on that one. What engine did you say was in that one? It's got the V8. 4.7? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are pretty in-depth and changing. There's a yeah. lot of things that have to come apart yeah, to get the, those the out. Yeah, the tensioner's kind of hard to change on. I would start out, John, the belt. first off, make sure all the pulleys in alignment. Make sure you don't have any leaks, any kind of an oil leak or any kind of a coolant leak that's getting on the belt. And, okay. you know, that would have to be fixed before you do it. But then after that, I just replace it with a good belt. Make sure you clean all the pulleys really, really good, too, with some kind of a cleaner that will evaporate. We use brake cleaner to clean those a lot because it evaporates and leaves it completely dry when you're Got through. You. But anything gets on that belt will definitely make that situation a whole lot worse. Yeah, the, the least now, little bit of coolant will right. make a and belt squeal like that. Just to identify and make sure it is a belt, not something stupid just temporarily take the belt off crank it up and see if the noise is gone you know i mean you can't let it run very long because water pump's not turning but just a diagnostic method just go ahead and take that belt off crank it up if noise is completely gone and you know that's it but do yourself a favor first either okay either draw your diagram of the belt routing or find you a diagram of the belt routing because you can put that belt on two different ways and if you do then one of the, I think the water pump turns backwards or yeah, something, something if you may put not it on work. backwards. You might look at sometimes under the hood, they'll have sometimes. a picture of it. If not, a lot of the belt companies either give or sell a belt writing, routing diagram. And it's uh, not that hard to, to draw Yeah, uh, just draw a picture. Just take a picture with your camera or That'll whatever. Work too. But, yeah, make sure you get it routed back exactly right because you'd be amazed how many different ways it could go on. <laughs> a lot of pulleys and stuff that has to go around. Good advice. Okay. Well, well, I appreciate all the advice this morning. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with those steps. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you, guys. All, all right, right. John, thanks for calling, man. Bye, bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we've got John again. Good morning, John. Good morning. It's another John again. <laughs> another John. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, I got a kid that's far away, and he's got a '98 Camry. Uh-huh. And he said, "Dad, it didn't. It, it didn't want to start. It finally started, and then the next morning it wouldn't start." So okay, he, now and I've not looked at it, but he made a recording of it. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I'm listening to the recording, uh-huh. and it sounds like the timing belt is broke. The way it it turns over. Yeah, well, so, if the timing belt's broke, I don't think it would start. Probably, it probably would never start again. Once that happens, that's generally it. Well, no, it yeah, it it will not start now. For sure, it well, will start now. I tell you, uh-huh. it's easy to tell if time bell's broke. All you do is yeah. remove the little oil filler cap. Yeah, look yeah. down in there. You should be able to see the camshaft. Okay, crank okay. the engine. If the okay. camshaft's not turning when the engine's cranking, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and and I know, I just want to ask: mm-hmm. Is this an interference engine? There's really no way to know for certain that every engine should be considered an interference engine because right. damage right. can occur under any condition. But the only way to see if you got by would be to go in, take it down, put a timing belt on it, and then crank it Uh over and do a compression test. And if compression is good in all the cylinders, you're probably lucky. If not, then you know you got it. But there's really no other accurate way to know. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, this this is a student car he's mechanical engineer he doesn't know the difference between a screwdriver and a ratchet and so, <laughs> sound um, like some of the guys who engineer cars today yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. he, may, he may be able to get a job with gm <laughs> yeah. so, I, and i've i've not gone to look at it i just heard it and it, it has that funny that that sound yeah yeah so yeah anyway so well, all right so on, on that on that motor uh-huh. okay i mean it's clearly water pump time belt yeah, and, um, and you don't have to change all that just to check it. All you have to do is just take the timing cover off the front and just put a belt on it and be sure it's back in time, crank yeah. it up, or just run a compression test. If all the cylinders have good compression at that point, then you go ahead and put the rest of the stuff on it. But just okay. to save money, okay. I mean, I wouldn't go and put all that stuff no. on there and then the motor be torn up, you know, because then, then you end up replacing the motor or junking the car. Yeah, I hope not. This car's got... Probably about five hundred thousand miles. Wow! It ran. It ran great. I mean, the car ran great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he knew get the oil change and all that. Right. So, well, um, if he doesn't I have a good got... service advisor to advise him of it, that's just not the kind of thing the average person thinks about a lot. No, we always recommend yeah. bringing in our customers come in for a general inspection once a year, and that's one of the things we always watch is not only the mileage but the age on that timing belt because. Well, I'm telling you what, right now, I would not bring it into you because I would get a huge tongue lash. In you, <laughs> you're letting this kid drive this car. So, but you know oh, what? Man. It gets you from point A to point B. There you go. Exactly. Money. There so, you go. Anyway, all right, gentlemen. Y'all have a good week. All right, John. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right. We got to take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodwitch. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! 
that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Not behind it, but I can't keep punching with the Hey, welcome back. We just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvin, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate spending Saturday morning with us. If you have a question or a comment on the show, give us a call. It's 291-6901. And use the area code here in Baton Rouge. Should you happen to be out of the, the local area, it's 225, and you can get straight to us. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Just give us a call. Try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking a little bit about the transmission, transmission flush, flush as right. opposed to a proper service. Correct. And I think we covered the reasons why we feel it's not a good practice, and most of the big manufacturers tend to agree with us. The only people who really push it, and what's really strange, a lot of dealerships, a lot of people think, well, this is the manufacturer. No, it's just a guy who bought a dealership. Uh-huh. This is not the manufacturer. And a lot of them do push flushes. Right. So you got to remember, just because a sign out front that says Chevrolet or Ford or Toyota, that is not necessarily their recommendations. That is what this guy thinks they need to do. So the point is, avoid the flushes with all in, in every case. Right. Another big problem with that, I consider one of the worst things, some of those actually add chemicals to the transmission to enhance the flushing process, which is absolute no-no. Particularly if you got higher mileage on your car, you add some chemicals in there, you can just deteriorate the seals, make the transmission fail. Mm-hmm. Another problem is generally they're going to have one machine. Well, those, those machines were a couple thousand dollars. They are when they were you know when they were popular. Several thousand dollars, and they have one machine, and they most likely have one fluid. They're not going to use the exact right fluid for your car necessarily. Mm-hmm. Your Ford has what six or seven different transmission fluids. Sure. Toyota has at least two or three. GM has two. Right. I mean, everybody has different fluids with different types of materials in them. What's even worse, if you have a CVT, some of that CVT fluid can be $25 a quart. Right. They are not flushing $25 a quart fluid through your transmission, believe me. So a lot of times you're going to get the cheapest stuff it is, which is Dexron 3, flush through everything. You may not even be getting the right kind of fluid in there, which can also cause sure, all kinds of shifting a lot concerns of, and lot problems. problems. So, Point is, if you hear the word flush, generally you're in the wrong place. Sure. Here, just think of it as a wallet flush. Wallet flush. That's right. It's a machine that's designed to enhance the profitability of the company well, using it. And and that being said, the lowest guy in the the lowest tech in the shop can perform this service. Right. They take a C tech, they show him how to use this little machine, he hooks it up, he walks off and goes do something else while the machine's running, comes back, unhooks it, hopefully hooks the lines up right, because we've seen a lot of times where a cool line pops off, right. burns the transmission because he didn't hook it back up correctly. So it's as opposed to a proper transmission service, which could take an A tech. He needs to drop this pan, he needs to know what he's doing, he needs to know how much metal is the right amount, if any. He knows he needs to know what he's looking for. How to find the right filter. They have to stock a bunch of different filters. Well, I tell they have you, to stock a bunch of different transmission fluids. We we have been through that, especially with Ford. Ford tends to change the, the filters on the same unit in different applications. They'll change the depth of the pan. Right. And there's Three or four different filters that fit this one unit. Well, GM was on like the pan that. that was on it. Yeah, with their 4L60E, they had at least three different filters, maybe more than that, different depths because they use different depth all pans. Uh-huh. Now, if you get a shorter filter in a deeper pan, it'll it just go right up. You sure. won't even know it's in there. The only problem is now the filter is up out of the top of the fluid. So you so turn a corner fluid, and it's drawing air in, so it starts neutraling out when you turn the corner, which tears the transmission up. If you put a deeper, it may worse than that. It may fall off if it's shorter. It'd right, fall off because the bottom of the pan. A lot of your Ford units, the pan actually holds the filter into the unit. Right, and 
versus the GM unit that has a, uh, rubber, seal. a rubber seal that actually holds the filter up in the well, in the unit. Supposedly holds Supposed it. Supposed it. If you use a short pickup on a deep pan and it falls out, right. then you have no no uh, fluid going to the trans well, at all. That seal is designed to hold the filter up, the right filter up, and it will do that. But if you have a filter dangling in the pan, hitting bumps going down the road, that seal may or may not hold it up. And if you didn't change the seal, which a lot of people don't they do, don't. then it's going to definitely or right. could very likely fall out. And in the reverse of that is if you get a, pit, a long pickup filter on a short pan, right. it won't go on. Right. The, the pan will not physically go well, on. Well, unless you just force unless it up there force, and put bolts in and tighten right. up and bend the pan. I was just fixing to say, <laughs> I've seen I've seen that happen. You can bend the pan, you can break the filter. Now, when and, you break the filter, it breaks at the filter neck, so now it's sucking unfiltered fluid into the transmission. You won't even know it's doing it because that pickup tube goes down into the fluid so it just starts sucking fluid around the filter. Exactly. So now for the next 100,000 miles, you got unfiltered fluid going into your transmission, which is even worse. worse yeah. So the point is you got to have somebody that knows what they're doing to do the job and do the job properly. You always hear these old horror stories about, well, you know, I serviced my transmission and it went out. Well, the reason it went out is either, number one, it was going out anyway before you serviced it, mm-hmm. or number two, somebody improperly serviced it. Any improper service is just as bad as no service at all. Exactly. Some case worse. But a proper service can never, ever, ever hurt the transmission. I don't care how many miles it has. It can't ever hurt your transmission. may very well buy you more time. And it's best not to wait until it's way past due to do it. It's best to do it in a timely manner. But it's never too late. If you forgot the last service, neglected the last service, changing the fluid and filter properly is going to at least extend the life of it. It can't undo what's wrong. It can't fix a problem. And that's another thing we see. A lot of people come in, they're already having trouble with the transmission. Mm-hmm. It's jumping into neutral, it's skipping a gear, whatever, and they bring it in for a service. Well, it's not going to fix that. No. A service, service is, is strictly maintenance. It is not going to address a problem with the transmission. Any more than changing the oil is going to fix an engine knock. Right. If you ran your car out of oil, burnt the engine up, you can't just go change the oil and, and hope expect it, it to yeah. fix it. It's, it's not going to do that. It's not a repair. It's not ever going to fix a problem. Now, that being said, if you are experiencing any kind of problem, let the tech know before he gets into it. He can look for that on a test drive. He can look for things inside the transmission while he's in there, and he may see something that can be rectified fairly easily while he's there. Sure. Sure, because when you drop the pan, the valve body's sitting right there. Right. If it's a valve body problem or a solenoid problem, all that stuff is right there when you're doing the service. Well, that's right. So if you know going in... You know to look for it. You can if you find it, then you can change it. Whereas if you just drop the pan, change the filter, put the pan back on, fill it back up with fluid, then if you suspect a problem, you'd have you to come back and back. do it all over That's again. That's right. Now another thing there is when you service the transmission, if you have had a leak on the car, a transmission fluid leak, let them know about that. Particularly if you had a leak in the past and it's quit. Uh huh. Because that's very common. What will happen is you get a leak, and it's kind of high up on the uh, yeah, right, right. transmission. Could be, the, could be the shift input seal or shift something like shaft, that. shaft, something like that leaks. Well, it leaks when the transmission's full, but then it leaks down, loses a quart or two. It may still drive okay, but it quits leaking because the fluid level is now below that part. Well, what happens, they go in, they don't see a leak. You didn't mention a leak, so they just service transmission. They fill it up when that starts leaking again. Exactly. put the right amount of fluid back in it. Now, again, you got to come back, Drain redo it. the whole job, lose all your fluid. While they were there, the pan was already off. Very simple job to change that shifter shaft seal. Right. A half hour at, at, most, at most. As opposed to an hour minutes. and a half to two hours to come back and do it. So you always want to apprise the technician 
before he goes into it, any kind of issue, anything you've noticed, let them know about it because that's sure. stuff they can be looking for. And some shops are going to automatically kind of look around. Other shops are just going to do what you tell them. You tell them service transmission. That's service what they're going to do. They're not going to go looking for a problem. They're not going to do an extended test drive. You know, Die back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hevolted supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Lewis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any, more, <laughs> there you any go. automotive <laughs> questions you may have. Just, and we got a few minutes left, enough time for maybe for one more call. Sure. You can make it quick, so give us a call. We'll try to chat you up and help you out with that. Yep, that we will. You know, we, we were talking about transmissions earlier, but like you were saying earlier, we will take any automotive-related right. question you have. Uh, like I said, just give us a give us a holler. There you go. You know, and we've got different a uh, different topic here, kind of. Kind of shifting gears? Yeah, kind of much. We're going to talk about power windows a little bit. Mm-hmm. And these, it's one the, of those things that gives a lot of trouble. They do. You know, it's not relatively immediately, about four or five years maybe, yep. you start getting windows that won't go down, windows that won't go up, right. or go down partially and stop. and stop, or vice versa. And window regulators being what they are, they're not the old scissor type regulator well, we used to have. People are still used to the old gear-driven track system that, almost never broke and when it did break it was fairly easy to yeah. fix but they got away from that many years ago i think ford was one of the first ones who came out with this cable driven regulator system yeah. they call it it's just a little aluminum or steel track with a piece of cable and some plastic pulleys and a little motor turns winds it up and winds it down and the problem is one of those plastic pulleys breaks that cable just knots all up around the motor it does and it's it's self-destructed at that point there's no fixing it it's a matter of replacement and the the window tracks tend to cause a lot of the problem where the glass actually slides up through the door and Mm -hmm. and down there's a little rubber track right there and if it's kept clean and free moving you have less problems with this type of system well particularly in the deep south where it gets so hot that rubber gets very very hot gets very sticky and almost bonds to that glass now to make it worse let's say you park your car somewhere and somebody comes around with a soda, a soda drink of some sort splashes it on there and that soda gets on your glass runs down now it's almost like a glue and it kind of cooks down in there so cleaning those tracks and lubricating with silicone base lubricant yeah can definitely prevent a lot of your it will window problems hey i see we're just about out of time start winding on up get ready to get on out of here well i thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week tell your friends go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service find a written view and fill it out for us we really appreciate it when you give us a written review it lets us know we're doing a good job it also moves us up in ranking so when someone types in a generic term like auto repair we, we come, come to the top 
close to the top of the list, which means more people can listen. More people can listen, the longer we can do the show. There you go. Otherwise, they'll give us a bum's rough. <laughs> <laughs> a swift boot. Get on out of here. Ain't nobody listening to you anyway. <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.